This is our last Sunday to have Pastor Leland and Kathy with us. They leave next week to go back. I don't know why they want to do this. Why would they want to leave Michigan in northern in the wintertime? I have no idea. But they're going to Texas to their other family. And uh, we are so grateful that you've been with us. I think this is our third summer already, right? Third summer, I think. And, man, time flies, doesn't it? But they... Kathy gave a Mother's Day message earlier this summer, and uh, Pastor Leland gave a Father's Day message. And so today they're going to give a combined message, and uh, we're going to pray with them. At the end of the service, we're going to pray with them before they leave. But we're just honored that they're here today, and we're looking forward to hearing what the Lord has for you to talk to us about. So, Kathy? So, good morning. So I'll start out by saying, before I start into what I have to say today, I'll start out by telling you why we're going to Texas. Um it has something to do with cold. Okay? I'm not a huge cold person. I don't really like coats and stuff like that. And so when we first talked, way even before we first talked about retiring, we had come up here and visited our daughter who lives here in Michigan. I, I can't even begin to explain how she got here why, or why, but she did. And we came to visit her, and Leland mentioned, he said, you know, this would be a great place to spend our summers. And as we started talking about retiring, you know, we decided that what we wanted to do with our retirement is to take part in the best of the nature, the best of the weather of the two places we felt we felt connected to in home. And so we come to Michigan in the summertime because... We all got to know, unless you're just a really huge uh, winter sports person, the best part of Michigan's winter is in the summer. So we have really great summer Michigan weather in Michigan, and then we go to Texas and have pretty decent weather, except for two years ago when we had that horrible freeze and every had had no electricity, literally. Thank the Lord we lived in an RV that had propane or we would have had nothing but we lived on propane so that's why we're going also too that's where the majority of our grandkids are we have one grandchild child here and we have now seven in texas we have a grandson who is a little over a month old and we have yet to see him so to be real honest with you we're going to michigan so we can see mason now we'll see everybody else while we're there and spend time with them but it's mason we're going for no offense to all of our grandkids but you know when you've got a little baby, you know, who doesn't want to be around the baby? So that's why we're going. So, Larry, you can go ahead and pull it up now. So I want to start with a little tiny bit of a backstory. So in the West Texas District, in Texas, the Texas is actually split up the Assemblies of God is into multiple districts. Like Michigan is just its own district. In Texas, there's four if you consider the Spanish. So in Texas is split up into four different districts. And so Leland is licensed with the West Texas District. And the district superintendent in the West Texas District, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, every Sunday morning he sends out a text message to all of the ministers in his district. And two weeks ago he sent out a text message that is really kind of the catalyst for our message today. And um, he sent it out. So Leland received it. And then I got it from my sister-in-law. She forwarded it on to me because it had so much meaning to her. And so as we were two Sundays ago, uh, we were on our way to church 
and we were talking about that he was going to be preaching that Sunday, and which is when I approached him the idea of us both preaching. And at the same time, we both mentioned this exact same text message because God had laid this exact same text message on both of our hearts as to what a message should be. So uh, we are each going in separate directions with this message, but this, so our title of our message today is Noticed. And again, it is based off of that, that text message. Now, as I said earlier, when I spoke on Mother's Day, I grew up in an Assemblies of God church. I literally was in church the very first Sunday after I was born. Uh, you know, I, only time I wasn't in church is if we were sick or if we were traveling. And even when we traveled, we went to a church while we were there. So I grew up in the Assemblies of God Church. Now, I don't know what it was like in Michigan, if any of you actually grew up in an Assemblies of God Church in Michigan, what it was like in Michigan. But in Texas, one of the things that they had is every Sunday morning, they would have copies of the Pentecostal Evangel to hand out to everybody. Every Sunday, you got a copy of a Pentecostal Evangel. And so every Sunday, we would get one of those. Actually, I didn't. Usually, it was Mama or Daddy that picked it up. And they would take it home, and they would read it. Well, after Mom and Daddy finished with it, then, because I was the oldest, then I got to read it. And I usually did. I usually read most of it. And while I don't specifically remember this specific article that I'm going to talk to you about, um, it probably is one that I brought, would have read. And in fact, if any of you stopped and picked up the outline, you'll notice that there was also a handout there. And this is the article that that text message mes- m- mentioned. And that is kind of the, what we're going to be using as our starting point for today's message. In that article, which was published on September 18th, 1977, uh, C.M. Ward, which I'm not sure how many of you rec- recognize the name C.M. Ward, but C.M. Ward in the 70s and 80s did the Revival Time broadcast, which was huge. He was a huge speaker, writer. I mean, goodness, when I was in Bible college, some of the texts that we used were actually written by C.M. Ward. So he was a very prolific speaker and writer. And he wrote this article that was titled, Jesus Noticed. It was based on Matthew 18, 18. Excuse me, I need to fast forward. It was based on uh, Matthew 8:14, And this is what this little snippet of the article said. On entering the house of Peter, Jesus noticed his mother-in-law down with a fever. Uh, and C.M. Ward, this is C.M. Ward writing, said, I have always loved, the, loved those words Jesus, Jesus noticed. So, people, so few people do. It's his greatness, Jesus noticed. It was a detail in his busy day, but to him it was important. This anonymous woman was down with a fever. Something had done her in. She wasn't ready for company. But Jesus knows. You know, I really love that word noticed. It means to become aware, to treat someone with a degree of attention, attention or recognition. You know, what a great word. You know, to think that Jesus, God, notices us, me. He notices. That word notice is so much more than just saw, you know. Quite frankly, I see people all of the time, but I don't notice them. 
sadly, I am one of those kind of people that when I become very focused on where I'm going, what I'm doing, it's like I have blinders on, you know, like I'm this horse with blinders on and goodness, I could see my own husband literally have him drive past me on the road and I never notice him because I'm so focused. I have such blinders on, but that's not the way Jesus was. Jesus is. He had very intentional eyes. He didn't, like I said, he didn't just see people. When he went somewhere, he noticed them. In Luke 21, verses 1 through 2, we are told about Jesus looking up. He saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he noticed a poor widow putting two little coins in. This is from the Moffat translation. Just for any of you that are trying to find the word noticed in your Bible, unless you have this specific translation, you're not going to find the word Jesus noticed. Just as an FYI, most of the time it says saw. But again, when we hear the word saw in the Bible in relation to Jesus, think about the fact that he had intentional eyes. He noticed them. And in Luke 5 verses 25 verse 27 it said going on outside after this he noticed a tax gatherer called Levi who was later be called Matthew sitting at his tax office he noticed Jesus noticed the leper who came to him he noticed the centurion with the sixth servant he noticed Peter's mother-in-law he noticed the poor woman giving her all when no one else even noticed, even saw her, even if she was there. He noticed the most unlikely contender for a disciple, which would be Levi or Matthew. Jesus noticed. The Bible is filled with examples of people that Jesus noticed that no one else did. And the great thing is, is Jesus continues to notice us today. He notices. He is aware of all that we face. Think of it. Jesus stopped in his busy day. He stopped and actually noticed someone, saw their problem, their need. But it didn't end there. In one of my very favorite passages of scripture. I love this passage for this specific word that's in it. Matthew fifteen thirty two says, then Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint away. He noticed the need. He had compassion for those in need. Compassion. Matthew fourteen, fourteen says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. In Luke seven twelve through 13, it says, As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with, town was with her. And we, Jesus saw her. He had compassion on her. Compassion. Sympathetic pity and concern for the suffering or misfortune of others. Compassion literally means 
to suffer together. It can also be defined as the feeling that arises when you're confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. That is the true picture of Jesus. He had compassion for those in need. And when confronted with that need, he felt motivated to meet the need. A need, quite frankly, he's wholly able to motivate. Which brings me to my final point. He noticed the need. He had compassion. And then he met the need. He didn't stop there with just seeing or noticing it or feeling sorry for them. He met their need. Let's go back and let's look at those scriptures that we mentioned earlier to see how Jesus finished. When Peter's mother-in-law in 8.15, Jesus touched her hand and her fever left her. She was healed. Jesus used the example of the widow giving her all in Luke 21 as a parable about each of us being willing to give our all. The tax collector in Luke 5:27, Jesus said, follow me. And he did. The crowd in Matthew 15, well, we know that account well. With just seven, lo- seven loaves and a few fish, he fed 4,000 people that day. The great crowd in Matthew 14:14, 14, 14, well, Jesus healed their sick. And finally, that widow in Luke 7, Jesus raised her only son from the dead. Jesus noticed the need, he had compassion, and then he met the need. But the great thing is, is Jesus continues to notice. He continues to have compassion and to meet our needs. You know, it's those inconsequential things when Jesus meets those needs that gives me faith. When I can't find my keys, and I've looked everywhere, So I pray and I say, God, I cannot find my keys. And I find them. That's when I have faith to believe him for those big things. If he cares about how many hairs I have or don't have on my head, he cares about all of our needs. You know, earlier we mentioned my back. When I first walked into church this morning, I could not stand up straight. But here I am, not quite pain-free, but pretty close. Because Jesus had compassion. He noticed my, He noticed that my I couldn't walk. He had compassion for it, and he met my need. You know, that's what Jesus wants to do with each of us. To meet all of our needs, whether they be some kind of life-threatening illness or the fact that our washing machine is not working today. You know, we had a lady that was in the church when we lived in Midland, and she would ask prayer for some of it. Initially, I thought some of the oddest things, but when you really think about the faith of this woman, it's really not odd. She would ask prayer for her washing machine because it wasn't working or for her car. But yet, those were big needs to her because she was on a very fixed budget. She didn't have the money to buy a new washing machine or to have her get her car fixed. She needed God to meet those needs just as much as I needed God to meet my need today. So I remind each of you today 
that Jesus continues to notice you. He continues to have compassion for you. And he continues to want to meet your need. We just need to give it to him. Well, I'm thankful that Jesus noticed me a number of years ago. And actually, the scripture tells us that he knew us uh, when he was on the cross. He noticed us. And I'm so thankful for that because things could be so much different. Uh, in our lives, if Jesus hadn't noticed us and called us. So, as Kathy said, I'm going to go a little bit different uh, than what she did. She talked about Jesus. She made it personal, which she should have. That was the idea of, of Jesus noticing you, and we're thankful for that. Him having compassion for you. For him meeting your needs. But sometimes as Christians, that's where we stop. It's all about me and what Jesus can do for me. I go to church because I want to, I want to go to heaven. I go to church, I pay my tithes because I want Jesus to bless me. And so many times we, we find ourselves in that situation where Everything we do is about us in regards to serving God. Well, I'm afraid not to serve Him because I'm afraid of what He would do to me, what He may not do for me. And so uh, we need to remember that He does bless us and that He does love us. And we do need to make our relationship with Him does need, it, that needs to be personal. It must be personal and it needs to be personal but we don't we can't let it stop there have you ever thought that it is this wouldn't work if you really stop and think about it but you know jesus left us here after we got saved for a purpose there's a reason and a purpose that we're still here that he didn't rapture us out as soon as we got saved now that would be the easy way out (laughs) be kind of cool actually you know i get saved and he just raptures me right on up to heaven i don't have to suffer through some of the tests and trials and and all those different things you know that'd be kind of cool but the the downside is if you stop and think about it it wouldn't work because if you raptured everybody out as they got saved there'd be nobody here to tell others about jesus and his greatness and the gospel right so he leaves us here for a purpose many purposes actually but one of those purposes is to reach out and to touch the lives of those around us. In church, we have to do that. We must do that. If we're not doing that, we're not fulfilling the wishes of of God. We're not fulfilling the wishes of Christ. And we're allowing so many blessings to pass us by. I want us to look, first of all, I want us to look at uh, Acts. Now, I'm not near as organized as Pastor Mike and Kathy and 
you know, and you, you'd think it'd be right, you know, maybe they're right the opposite since I was an instructor at a college and, you know, and I had PowerPoints and I had all that stuff. But maybe that, I don't do that when I preach because one, it's too much like my secular job was and I don't, you know, I, I retired from that. I got tired of that and I didn't want to do it anymore. And secondly, as I just allow the Holy Spirit, I, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, speak through me. I don't want to get, I, I don't, I don't want to be, me, that's me. Now, pastor don't, you know, he, him and Kathy and others like them, they don't allow. But me, if I'm not careful, I'll get, I'll get, uh, lassoed by that and I won't let the Holy Spirit speak through me. So that's one reason I don't do it. But another is I just, I just don't want to. Okay. So forgive me. Okay. I don't, I, uh, you know, I, I don't. So, uh, the scripture, first of all, let's look at, at Acts, uh, chapter one. Uh, in verse verse eight, um, it's supposed to be faster when I do it on the phone here. Now, now keep in mind that uh, this was, uh, you know, when when Jesus was was talking to the disciples, and uh, and and it depends, you know, on where you read this that in the translation. Uh, but it all says the same thing. It says here, uh, you know, they asked Jesus. They said, uh, "Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of to Israel?" And he said unto them, "It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in His own power." In other words, he said, that, don't, don't fret over that. Don't worry about it. Don't think about that. He said, "This is what's important. This is what you need to know." This is what is important and what you need to know. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And we know it before Jesus went into heaven, he told him, he said, I have to go before the Comforter can come. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I must go that the Holy Spirit can come. And he also, he told him, he said, now go and tarry, you know, in, in Jerusalem and, until you be endued with that power. You receive that power. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit, of course. And so we know the story of how they went. They tarried. They was all in one accord and they waited and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And, uh, Peter, you know, preached the, the greatest message of all times and how that souls came. And that was the beginning of the, of the, the church as we know it. And uh, now has been going on for over 2,000 years in the preaching and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, continues to go. Now, is that only for pastors and evangelists and missionaries and those? No, absolutely not. That is for you. It's for all of us, all of his children. Because let's face it, we all are to be missionaries. We're all to be evangelists. We're all to be disciples. Pastor can't go to your job and preach the gospel. I doubt that they're going to let that happen. They're not going to let him go in there and and preach, most likely. They're not going to let him go in there and witness. But you can. You can. So... 
We, as his children, you say, well, how, what's that got to do with what Kathy preached? Well, G- we know Jesus noticed people, as, as she, she so beautifully put it. He noticed people, he had compassion upon them, and they met their need. You and I need to do the same thing. You know, back a number of years ago, it's not as popular as it once was, but you remember when, when everybody wore their little bands and said, what would Jesus do? You know, to remind us that we used to live like Jesus. Well, we are. We are to live like Jesus. And we are to reach out and we are to love and have compassion and, and, and do our best to meet the needs. And for those needs that we cannot meet maybe in, in a, uh, uh, a certain way, we, we always have Jesus to meet their need. We pray for them. We, we, Seek Jesus for them. But we need to notice people. How often we can go through life and not notice people and notice the needs, uh, that, that people have. And it's, it's, again, it's not all about me. It's not all about what I can get from this walk. But it's about what others can receive. Maybe because of what because of my faith. You remember the man that, that his friends tore the roof off of a house and, and lowered him down in front of Jesus right in the middle of church service. Would you imagine nowadays they'd have ushers standing there, you know, they'd have ushers on the roof stopping it, you know. And, or certainly when the man fell down in front of the preacher, the pastor, the ushers be there waiting to usher him right on out the door. Right? I mean, uh, well, we can't have that. But Jesus, when he lowered him down, and the friends lowered him down in front of Jesus, and I'm, you know, Jesus says, wow, you know, he had a need. And and he said, he had compassion on him, and he met the need. He said, but it's your friend's faith that has made you whole. I can just see this man as the friends are tearing the roof off. No, 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 don't do that. You know, don't. I mean, I, I know how I'd react if my friends were tearing their hole in this roof and going to lower me down in front of pastor to pray for him. I'd be up there going, what are you doing? No, don't do that. Don't destroy the church. You know, all this is God's house. What are you doing to his house? You know, don't lower me down there like that. First of all, you might drop me. <laughs> I don't want you doing that. Don't do that. And I'm sure this friend had some reservations about what his buddies were doing, or this man was afraid of what his friends were doing. But Jesus looked at him and he said, he said, he said, their faith has made you whole. What can your faith do for someone you know? What can your faith do for that person you work with? What can your faith do for somebody else that you notice? You see a need, have compassion, church. That's what Jesus would do. Have compassion. When you see a need, oh, it's so easy. And I'm as guilt. I'm guilty of it. I think we all are. You know, we walk out of a, you know, across a parking lot or we come up at a red light and there's somebody there begging for alms. <laughs> Begging, you know, for, for money to help them out. And I know, you know it, I know it. There are those out there that use the system and that abuse it. But you know, the Lord convicted me of always saying that here some time ago. He's saying, well, this is not your problem. You're not the judge. I'll, I'll judge what they're doing. 
Because one, I don't know if they're abusing it. I don't know if they're taking the money, you know, unjustly or not. I mean, I have no clue. There's no way of me knowing. But God made sure that I knew real quick, hey, <laughs> it's not your problem. It's not your job. You have compassion. You meet the need. I'll take care of the rest. Now, what I have been known to do is rather give money. They say, I'm hungry, need money. I'll go somewhere. I'll go to a restaurant or drive throughs nearby, and I'll buy them some food. And I'll take it, or maybe a, 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 a grocery store, and I'll buy a bag of food and take it to them and drop it off and say, here, I want to bless you. Okay. I had, let me, let me just tell you a story. I had a man. He sold newspapers on, on Sundays, only on Sundays. He sold the Sunday edition of the Midland Reporter Telegram, uh, uh, Telegram. He stood at the same intersection every day and we drove through that intersection going to church every Sunday morning. And he was always there and Kathy, I'll sure remember him. And he, he was the nicest guy. He, he was just a really friendly, nice guy. And, the, and everybody loved him that, you know, talked about him and would often write on Facebook about him and how great he was and how, you know, nice a guy he was. One day I was at home and, and, and I seen him a few houses down. He was mowing the yard. I thought, well, I guess he's doing that too, you know, to make ends meet. And, and I was out in my yard doing something. In a few minutes he came, he came up to me and he said, I recognize you from, you know, my newspaper. And I said, yeah, yeah, how are you doing? He said, well, he said, I mowed this yard and these people, I have another yard or two I need to go mow and these people aren't home. And so I can't get paid, so I can't go get gas for my mower to finish up the other jobs. And I was just wondering if I could borrow uh, uh, just enough money to fill my gas can so I can go and mow these yards. I said, yeah, sure. I said, meet me down here at the convenience store and we'll get you some gas. So we got there and he started filling up his gas can. Well, before he got done, before he could hang it up, I told him, I said, open up and I want you to fill your van up with gas. He said, well, I could use a little bit of gas in there. So he said, if you could just give me a little bit. He said, I'll get paid on these these jobs and I'll pay you back. I said, go, go ahead and put some gas in your van. So he started putting it in. And he went to cut it off at like, I think, $5, 10 The guy by no means was trying to take advantage of me. And he went to click it off. And I reached over and I just turned it back on. And he goes, no, 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 no. I said, keep, let it go. He goes, no, I can't afford, I can't afford to pay you for that. I said, I didn't ask you to. So I filled his van up with gas. I said, when was the last time you ate anything? He said, oh, I think yesterday. I said, come here. So we went in the convenience store. Now, I'm not telling you this to make me look good. I want to tell you what this, how this man reacted. We went into the store, and and, and he was just going to get some, you know, one of those cold things you stick in the microwave, or he was going to get... Something I, I don't man. I told him. I said no, no, no. I said go over here, get you a loaf of bread. Get you go get you whatever lunch meat you want. Get you some you know if you like mustard or American wheat, whatever. Get that. And, you know I said let's get enough that you can have sandwiches for the next day or two. You would have thought I bought this man a a, a steak. He was so proud, so happy. Of these, I think, I don't remember if he got bologna or ham or what he got, but anyway, he, he was so, he, he was, he was just ecstatic. 
he, he walked out and we, we walked out and he went to get in his van and I went to get in my car and I told him, I said, you have a great day. He said, I'll pay you back. I said, you don't owe me anything. I said, forget it. Just be blessed. Go and, you know, and he, he was getting in his car. He said, I'm going to go find me a shade tree and I'm going to have me a sandwich. I mean, he was so excited about having this sandwich. I was so blessed. I was so blessed. I just, you know, knowing that, that Jesus had blessed me so that I could bless this man, you know, and him enjoy life. And, you know, who would have ever thought that a bologna or ham sandwich could, could bless somebody so much? But I saw a need. I had compassion. And God had blessed me. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, you know, we, we was living like everybody else. You know, we was paying the bills and, you know, we was having to work. But God had blessed us. And I wanted to bless this man. Look to Acts chapter 3 and verse 6, if you would. Um, it's the story of Peter. Again, Peter walks, he's walking into the gate on his way to, to church. Let's call it the temple. There's a man sitting at the gate begging. And Peter looks at him and he says, <laughs> look, now actually what Peter said is silver and gold have I none. But in today's way of saying things he said look I, I don't have any money but I do have something that you need I do have something that you need I have blessings of God I have I, I know Jesus and I what I have I'm going to give to you and what Peter could have said is I have the power of the Holy Spirit within me that works through me and Jesus is going to heal you. That's what he could have said, but he didn't. He says, somewhere and go to have a nun, but that that I have, he said, I bestow upon you, I give to you. And the man jumps up, goes jumping and screaming. You know, he's a lame man. He'd been sitting at that gate for years. And he's jumping and screaming and, and praising God. You know, people say, well, you know, I don't know about this Pentecostal stuff. I don't know about this shouting and hollering and you know, I don't know about that stuff. I it, it didn't say Jesus ever did that. Well, I don't know. Quite honestly, I don't know if Jesus ever shouted, you know, in the Spirit. I don't know if he ever raised his hands in the Spirit. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if he ever danced in the Spirit. I, I really don't know. But I do know that those that Jesus touches does. <laughs> but this man was blessed. Why? Because Peter noticed and because Peter noticed, Peter, uh, some action, Jesus noticed and healed the man. Yeah. 
There's another story of where a woman was dead. Named, uh, she was known, Tabitha Dorcas. She was such a, a wonderful woman. Blessed people. That's why we have something similar to God called the Dorcas Room, I guess. You know, we bring stuff together to send to our missionaries. She'd done such marvelous works in her community and around for people, and she was dead. <laughs> no, she was noticed. She was raised from the dead. See, things are different than the way they was years ago. I can't pastor, pastor can't pastor the way, we can't pastor the way we used to pastor. It just doesn't work. You, as a, 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 a child of God, we, we, we have to change the way we minister and the way that we do things because things have, have changed. Years ago, the first thing, when somebody moved into the community, the first thing they did was look for a church. Right? They, somehow, they either got in a phone book, looked on the yellow pages, which I know some, well, probably all of y'all know, but, uh, probably some kids, they wouldn't know what yellow pages, what's that? But they are getting the newspaper, look, or whatever, find a church. And so that the first Sunday they were there, they visited the church. So people come to us. But now, things have changed and people aren't as quick to come to us. So what do we do? We have to go to them. We have to be quick to notice others. Whether we're walking down the street, shopping, taking in, just, or whether it's at work, or, or whatever the case may be, we need to notice. That's what Jesus did. Not only did he notice in some of the examples that, that, that Kathy mentioned today, and there's, there's so many more. And so I guess she did mention, in a sense, one of those, but, did you notice Jesus didn't Jesus didn't have a great deal of of uh, respect for the religious people of his day? He called them vipers, snakes. <laughs> notice what Jesus did, and he got called uh, called on it by the religious people. Who did Jesus associate with? When the religious people, Jesus associated with the sinner. <laughs> associated with Levi. Probably one of the most hated people around because he was a tax collector. And it wasn't because he was a tax collector. It was because he, he was like all the tax collectors in that day. It wasn't just because he collected taxes. It was because they ripped people off. They basically stole from them. For their own good. Jesus noticed him. Changed his life. Come follow me. Yeah. Some others, you know, 
Zacchaeus, come down, you know, out of that tree. Get down here. I'm going to have lunch with you today. It's the last thing he ever thought. He just—he was just enjoying the parade, you know, and all of a sudden he was a host. But Jesus noticed those that nobody else would. He noticed those that the religious leaders would not have anything to do with. He noticed them. He had compassion on them. And he met their need. Church, that's what God has called us to do. Is to notice. Well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not good at witnessing. Just notice. Just notice them. And follow the lead of, of, uh, that God places before you, whether it's to pray for them on the spot, whether it's to pray for them when you, you, you get home, it, whether it's to pray for them, whatever, whether it's to lay out some, some money to, to meet a need, or whatever it may be. There's so many ways that God uses us to minister. Just be open to it. Notice. Have compassion. And meet the need. Church, we've got we've got to change. This world is changing so quickly, and and so. I read an article the other day. It was saying that churches are not using the word "saved." Of course, they've already quit using the word "hell" because we know that's you know not gonna set well with people that come to our churches. So we don't use the word hell. But now, we don't use the word saved. What? No. You can't use the word saved because we can't say those that are saved because then that implies there are those that are not saved. And that might hurt somebody's feelings. Folks, if we have true compassion, we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to teach the gospel. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to show compassion. We're going to show the gospel. Right? That's what we've got, we've got to do. Because as we've been studying for weeks now, Jesus is coming soon. He, he is. He, Jesus is going to come. If we're going to get, if we're going to get any work done, we're going to have to do it quick. I'm going to close with this. Back, how many of you remember the 90s? I believe that was right. The 90s where uh, it was called the Decade of Harvest. Remember that? Assemblies of God. The Decade of Harvest. We're going to spend this decade to win this many souls to Christ. Okay, great. I mean, we built churches. There's one between Midland and Odessa called uh, Harvest Time Church. It was built during that decade. For that purpose, it was part of that that campaign, and it, it was it was built. But the thing that I remember was, and I don't even remember where it came from. It wasn't a national thing. It, it probably got spread around, but it, uh, was this picture? And of course, being raised on a farm, it it you know really touched a chord with me. Was this picture? And for just as far as you could see, was a cotton. I don't know how many of you have seen cotton fields. 
And as far as you could see in every direction was this cotton just white. Just white, 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 white. And in these fields was, was just, I don't know how many, but there was, there was many harvesters, the cotton strippers, as we call them in Texas, but cotton harvesters running in this field trying to get this field harvested. And in the, in the distance, near distance, was the skies were black. Just black, black lightning. And so in my mind, I'm, I'm imagining this storm having this ter- just treacherous rain and hail and wind. Cause usually in Texas, that's what happens when you have black clouds with <laughs> lightning. I mean, you get to the terrible, terrible storms. And, and if this storm gets there before that, the cotton that is left on that stalk is probably not going to be harvestable. It's certainly going to change the grade of it, and it's not going to be worth as much. But chances are the hail's going to beat it off, and it's going to end up on the ground. Or, or the wind is going to flatten the stalk, and it's just going to be, you know. So the what those harvesters that are out there, those uh, machines have got to get as much as they can harvested before the storm comes and gets there. The fields are wide unto harvest. Pray you therefore, the harvesters. Folks, time is short. The storm is upon us and we've got, we've got, we've got to notice. We've got to reach out. We've got to touch lives. Would you pray with me? Father, we just come to you today and we thank you and we, we ask you, Lord, to use us. Lord, and just show us the ways that we can be used, that we might touch the lives of others. Lord, guide our steps and lead us down the, the roads and Lord, lead us into the byways, the highways and the byways to touch those that are untouchable. Lord, those that are unreachable. Those, Lord, that nobody else might want. But you want them. Lord, use us. Lead us. Guide us. Into all truth and into the ways that we can bless your church, your kingdom. Lord, your creation. In Jesus' name, amen.